right, here we are. We are live at Minio's Pizza in Allison Park, which is the best pizza in all of Pittsburgh. We are here for Off the Field, except... We will be joined by the fabulous Larry Ogunjobi, who I actually met in Cleveland and then knew in Cincinnati, and to the point that Pony and Muller was just making, is one team away from being Kevin Zeitler. Although I don't know that Kevin Zeitler actually played for all four. He only played for three. Kevin Zeitler never came to the Steelers. But in any case, we don't want Larry to ever leave Pittsburgh, although he's dealing with the hills in Pittsburgh right now and the snowy conditions. So I'm trying to get the fabulous Micaiah Cherry, who works for the Steelers, to get on the radio with me. She is refusing. I think Chris Muller is potted up. Chris, are you there? Hi, Aditi. How are you? I'm okay. So Chris, Sean Filson, one of the proprietors of Minio's, is sitting here, and he doesn't know that earlier in the day we were having a conversation about beers that were drunk <laughs> in upstate New York during college. And Sean, Sean, did you go to Penn State or to Pitt? I don't even know. Penn State. Ah, okay. So Sean uh, went to Penn, Penn State. Penn State man. Uh, wait, Chris, you went to Penn State too? Wait, 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 wait. You didn't know this about me? That's like my claim to shame or claim I to fame. I went to Penn State, but I rooted for Pitt football. What? Why yeah, do I not know story. this? I feel, oh, there's people in the restaurant right now saying, is this on the radio? I hope that those are the <laughs> same people who will have questions for us later. We're waving. In any case, wait a minute. So why did you have a comment on Keystone Light? Tyler Dunn oh. was discussing drinking Keystone as a college student. And this all stemmed from uh, Heineke, Tyler Heineke, drinking a Bush Light on the plane yesterday. Oh. And I said, really? You're a starting quarterback in the NFL who just defeated the last undefeated team? And that's what you brought yourself on the plane is Bush Light? Loyalties are loyalties. You know, people have, people stick true to their light beer. Okay, but I don't because when I was in college, I had to drink Beast, and I certainly don't drink Beast today. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but Bush Light is. <laughs> no, you're you're to, a Bud Light girl. We know you're a Bud Light I, girl. I mean, I, I do actually like Bud Light. Do you know this about me, Chris? I'm a cheap date. I think I did. I think I did know the Bud Light thing, but I, I mean, Beast is Beast is rancid. I was a natural light guy. I was a natty guy in college. Oh. Beast was if if I showed up somewhere and they had Beast, I'd politely ask them if they had literally anything else up to and including drain cleaner. Okay, but is any of that really? I mean, let's be honest. Is there really that much of a difference? Beast, yes. Bush Light, yes. Natty yes, there Light. Is. Yes, there is. I can tell you Keystone. that right now. There is a difference. I mean, Keystone, talking Key Light or Key Premium in the red in the red cube. If you get 30 premium stones, you're having a night, Aditi. Oh, we're nodding over here at Minio's. You don't serve that at Minio's, do you? No, I mean, in, in our Squirrel Hill location, we have a great, we have a great selection of uh, great beers. You know, we have Steel Reserve. We have the Mickey's <laughs> 40s. We've got the Mickey's hand grenades. We've, we've got all of it. All right. We have, uh, uh, so I've got a Mickey story. 40s. I've got a Mickey okay. story for you. Uh, I don't know if either of you played this fine game uh, in either of your college experiences, but of course, and I'm not endorsing this for the uh, the 20-somethings out there, but we would play a game called Edward 40 Hands, played in the presence of friends only. <laughs> I have a feeling you know where this is going. Steel Reserve like made me throw up in my mouth a little bit, but 
We would get Mickey's Ice and play Edward Forty Hands with Mickey's Ice. And if you want to talk about like running a, you know, the the drinking equivalent of running a marathon in 110 degree heat, that's what it was. 80 ounces of Mickey's Ice before your bladder gives out, basically. And that was, you know, that was tough so sledding, Aditi. <laughs> the one thing that I don't, and I really hope that Larry's not listening to us right now, because if he is, he might turn around and not show up. <laughs> and just in case to get him here, we should probably talk about him at some point, Chris. But really quickly, the other beer that I really know very, very little about, which is sort of absurd now that I'm 11 years into living here, is Icy Light. Vitamin the one I, thing that I know about Icy Light, light is... Well, is Jim Kelly telling me years and years and years ago that the reason there are so many Hall of Fame football players out of Western PA is because, according to Jim Kelly, all of the moms were drinking icy light when those babies were conceived. Mm, icy light, Buying I can get down with. It's a pretty... Yeah, it's a pretty good. It's a pretty good light beer. Iron Heavy is a hit or miss. If an Iron Heavy is ice cold, Aditi, I could I could buy Jim Kelly's logic there. If it's anything less than ice cold, I might I might have to switch to light beer. <laughs> All right, so let's really quickly while we're waiting for Larry. Hold on, hold on. Sure. You're shots making. I got to chime in here real quick because my father worked in water for many years. I think the Western PA water, which is the finest oh, yeah. water. No. No. It's it's perfect. You could drink Western PA tap water. That is it's well. Here's the, best. the thing about Western PA water. Here's the in thing. Here, you know what? Like, you can't make on. bagels out of Western PA water the way no, you can out of New York right. or Bag- New Jersey you know, water. Oh, here you she know, goes. Hold on here though, Aditi. <laughs> you know what you can make out of Western Pennsylvania water, but they don't do it anymore. Rolling Rock beer, which was the best green bottle <laughs> beer there's ever been. <laughs> All right, let's talk. Let's a little bit before we get Larry to come here, Chris, and talk to us about what he felt was so different with the defense and the way that things are gelling and why TJ Watt makes so much of a difference exponentially, both X and O wise and just intrinsically. When you watch Sunday, what was the most heartening thing for you? From the defense specifically, or just the team overall? Sure. Um, I mean, uh, I'll do, let's I'll start go with the defense. Okay, okay. The defense, it was from the defense. It was pretty clear for me, and it was that Alex Highsmith was unlocked again once T.J. Watt was back on the field. Um, it's hard, I think, in this day and age when it's so quarterback driven, to actually buy into the notion that a defensive player can have that much of an impact. But he's in the rarefied air. He's in. He's in a. He's living in a floor of the defense hotel occupied by Aaron Donald and Micah Parsons, and those are the only two other guys. Uh, so seeing Highsmith sort of immediately get that boost from him again I thought was yep. really heartening. I thought Casey, I, I think Demonte Casey, assuming Minka's back either not this week but at the latest it seems like now uh, next week after the Cincinnati game, I think Casey gave them what they wanted. I mean, he came in, he made plays, he had a nose for the football, he put a hit on Alave that Ryan Clark and other old school, and by old school I mean just 10 or 15 years ago, football players were probably if loving. That. Uh, right. Yeah, that guy gave you a shot in the arm uh, when I think you needed it in the back end. So I thought Highsmith was the big one from the defense, him just looking like the guy that was leading the league in sacks after one week, and then Casey looking so good in his first action of the year. Well, I appreciate that. You know what? That just prompted a question. I'm going to ask Larry what he thinks about that call on Brandon Graham last night. Did you guys talk about that? Did you and Pony talk about that? 
we did not actually. The roughing, the roughing call on Heineke. The yeah, at the very roughness. end where Heineke allegedly yeah. gave. I mean, he did give himself up. But really, do you throw that flag right there? Do you end the game that way? I was surp- I, the only thing I will say about that is, and this is maybe a commentary on how I view the NFL. If that happens and Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback and that play is made, I expect that flag to be thrown. If it happens to Brady, I expect that flag to be thrown because I do think officials unconsciously protect the superstar quarterbacks more than the rank-and-file guys, of which Heineke is one. So if anything, I was only surprised in that it was Taylor Heineke getting the benefit of that call right there. Does Kirk Cousins get that call? Oh, you might have just hit the exact name that's, like, right on the dividing line. In Minnesota, yes. Outside of Minnesota, possibly not. Or Tua. Tua does. Tua absolutely does now because I think they're worried about his health specifically. I think they're going to put Tua in, in officials' bubble wrap uh, for the rest of the year. I actually, that, you know what's funny is I have, not funny, but I actually am on the sideline for CBS next week in Miami. It's the Texans at the Dolphins. And I was looking at Tua's numbers. The last 14 games that Tua started and finished, go ahead and guess what his record is. Uh, it's like 13-1, and one, I bet, or 12-2. and two. <laughs> Okay, I guess that there's no party tricks for you. Yes, he is exactly 13-1. and one. I mean, talk about a guy who maybe is not necessarily getting his due. Why is he not in the MVP conversation? Um, for me, it's because I do think uh, – I think he's in the conversation, but I do think that, like, he, he has Hill, he has Waddle, he has McDaniel, who qu- clearly is getting a ton of respect as a play caller. And a lot of these throws he's making, guys are running wide open, so it looks less impressive. Like, he misses Waddle with a deep shot that would have iced a game for them. Um, and so I think that's part of it. But I'll, I'll make this bold prediction, Aditi. I will give you this. I think if the Dolphins can find a way to get the top seed in the AFC, that they will win the Super Bowl. Not get there, win it. If the road to the Super Bowl in the AFC goes through Miami, I think that they will win the Super Bowl. Because you think that that's such a hard place to play? No, because I don't think that they you necessarily want them to have to come up and play in cold weather. If they get to play in the friendly confines in warm weather, I think that they will just outscore everybody. I think that's how good that offense looks right now. Oh, you mean not having to play in Buffalo. Yeah, they don't have to go to Kansas City. If they don't have to go to Buffalo. Yeah, if they get to have, I I would take them at their building against any team in the AFC. Well, and especially because have you seen that their sidelines are significantly different? Meaning the home sideline is shaded and the away sideline is about 20 or 30 degrees warmer. That's just good home field advantage from an architecture standpoint. (laughs) Counts for something, doesn't it? All right. You know what, Chris? This is a little bit early for you than usual, but we'd prefer to have more time with Larry Ogunjobi when he is able to very safely get here. So I think this is a good shot to take a break. We so appreciate the extra time. Please thank Alex that you stuck around for us. And hopefully, after the break, off the field will indeed feature Larry Okunjobi on 93.7 The Fan. We are live from Minio's Pizza. From Minio's Pizza with Larry Okunjobi. But Larry, that's not really your first name. No. My first name is Olumide. Everybody calls me Olu. Okay, but wait. Everybody calls you Olu. Like, like everybody my family, who? yeah. So then why are you called Larry? Because uh, it was easier for people to pronounce <laughs> when okay. I first got to the States. 
Okay, but once you got to the league, why didn't you say, well, just call me what my real name is? Oh, because it kind of just stuck. Everybody called me Larry, so it wasn't too bad. You know the story about Odafe Owe, right? No. Okay, so this is one of my favorite stories. Odafe Owe, who is also of Nigerian descent. He plays for the Ravens? He does play for yes, the Ravens. Yes, I know Odafe. And yes. he went to Penn State. But all through high school and college, his name was Jason. Because uh, Jason was his middle name. Okay. And as soon as he got drafted by the Ravens, he said, I don't care if it's hard to pronounce. You're going to learn how to <laughs> like say that. my name. I like that. I like that. And it's not like Ole is it, that hard. Um, you had a teammate named Ola. Ola. Mine's is Olu. Olu. I'm sorry. See? Ola's with the Titans now, right? <laughs> well, I wasn't paying attention. I was thinking about Odafe. <laughs> Wait, so does it bother your mom and dad? No. My dad's oh, name's Larry. So he's like, whatever. <laughs> and he goes by Larry, too? Yeah. Is that? Wait, I, I'm a little bit confused. Why a traditional, I mean, my name's Adibi, mm-hmm. right? Why a traditional first name, but a very westernized middle name? Because when, I think the world was a little different when I was younger. So, like, it was a lot easier for teachers to pronounce Larry rather than, you know, um, Illumide. No, I know, but clearly there is a trend of some Nigerian families because Odafe did the same thing, right? His parents yes. did the same thing. Odafe, Jason, Owe, Yes, because it's just David easier Ojabo. for us as kids. You uh, know, like, we go through... Kids in school are kind of mean, and, you know, you're... A, especially if you go to, like, a school that's not predominantly your race, so it's, like, sometimes it's difficult for teachers to pronounce, and then you become, like, the joke, and everybody starts laughing, and to alleviate all that, it's just, just call me Larry or Jason because I just think it's a lot easier for... As a kid to be integrated into a space that where not everybody looks like you but you, the name is a name you know so being able to call somebody Larry or Jason it's just easier to pronounce obviously nowadays you know I like when people call me Olu but you man, know what's funny mind. it's funny about this. so my name obviously is a Didi Kinkabwala mm. and my married name isn't really any better we're Guinness but my son could say Kinkabwala before he could say we're Guinness yeah I, I think that's from like the family and like I learned Yoruba through, like, just being with my parents and watching. So, like, I feel like when you're culturally adept and you kind of in that environment for a while, you kind of just pick up on nuances. So, like, for me, I thought Olu was super easy or Illuminate is super easy. But somebody who doesn't, everybody looks at it and gets all confused with the word. Even Ogunjobi is exactly how it sounds. exactly how it's spelled, so, right? But you'd, you'd be surprised how people pronounce it. But when you meet people now, you always say Larry? Uh, Here, yes. Like, when I'm working, yeah, but, like, where I live at, no. Most of the time, I just introduce myself as Olu. Where do you live Miami. in the off-season? Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. I'm going to Miami next week. Yeah, Miami's really fun. <laughs> I'll be on the sideline of the Dolphins-Texans game, and Man. I'm hoping that Marquise Pouncey takes me out on his jet skis. Oh, yeah. That's what he said For he's sure. going to do. Yeah. Both Al Villanueva and Marquise Pouncey are there. Yep. Gentlemen that you have played against. Yes. We were just talking about this. So, um, you're the Kevin Zeitler of... Defense. Three uh, out of four yeah, AFC North Kevin teams. Went, Kevin was with the Browns, the Bengals, and the Ravens. Yep. And you've got three. Yep. <laughs> Do you feel like an expert on the division? Uh, in a sense, yes. I mean, it's cool. I mean, yes. <laughs> I don't <laughs> okay, mind but it. but to be fair, last year you played in a four-three. Yes. This year you're playing in a three-four. Mm-hmm. Does it matter to you? Um, what did you play in in Cleveland? I can't even remember how many coaching staffs it would go. Uh, how many staffs did you have there? Four. Oh, my God. You played for four different defensive coordinators in Cleveland? Uh, well, Greg Williams, uh, Joe Woods, 
but the head coaches were different. Oh, so, okay. And what we had, I had four different D-line coaches, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. what did you play at Charlotte? Did you play in a 4-3 or a 3-4? 4-3. Okay, so you're up until this year, you've always played in a 4-3. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how are your responsibilities different in a 3-4? Um, well, we kind of play sides, so I'm usually playing on both sides and moving around, playing the three. I played all three last year, but uh, this year, you know, Cam plays on the right, um, Alex on the right, me and TJ on the left. So it's like, it's kind of different because of the schemes, but it's not hard, though. <laughs> it's like, you're either playing nose, you're playing three, you're playing four, or you're playing five. That doesn't make a difference to you at all? Not really. I mean, rushing a little bit just because I rushed all on the right side last year. Okay. Because me and BJ, like, BJ liked to rush on the left side, so I was like, all right, I don't care. So I always rushed on the right, but this year I'm all rushing on the left. So it's a little bit different, but it's fine. All right. Well, tell us something surprising about playing next to Cam Hayward. Um, Surprising. I mean, something you didn't know until you actually did it. Uh, well, I always thought Cam was a really fiery guy, but... When you see it in person, it's really cool because you understand how much he loves football, how much he loves to win, and uh, he has a very infectious personality. So I, I know why for a long time, you know, he's been here, but why his defenses have been really good because I feel like when you feed off that kind of energy and everybody wants to play fast and physical and with, you know, passion and enthusiasm, I think that's what you need in football. You got obviously the gaudy fun is when you rush the passer, when you get the sacks, you get those flashy numbers. But you guys did a phenomenal job against the run this week. Mm -hmm. What was um, the big key? What felt good? I think uh, you know getting TJ back. You know that brought a lot of you know energy and life back. And then um, you know just playing to our keys. You know you come off a of bye week. You know you get, you get rested. Your body gets right. And you just understand the nature of the situation. Like we know what kind of situation we're in. Like everybody sees the record, but. Um, yeah, but isn't it such a weird year, Larry? For like, all you, teams, ever yeah. you ever I look at the standings? Like, nobody's yeah. running away with anything. And I think that's what's unique about the season and why you shouldn't throw in the towel or you shouldn't, you know, ever not want to do what you do. Like, I love football. I love playing. I love competing. So it's like, regardless of the record, it's like, I play to win. You know, well, and, and you're I feel putting like, something on tape, exactly. right? So I think that guys just realize, like, yo, we need to win this game. We're coming off of why. The only way we can fix the situation is just, you know, stacking. And it's not like looking at the big end picture so far at the end, but it's really just taking it one day at a time, one week at a time, one game at a time, and just finding ways that can be consistent and, you know, consistently winning. I think that's important, you know, because a lot of times you try to look at the big picture and the real super, super grandiose things, you know, like, oh, my God, we're in this position. But it's like, yo, how do you eat an elephant piece by piece? So. <laughs> Have you eaten an elephant? No, but it's a good analogy. I mean, it is, but I haven't ever really actually heard that one. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so do I have to credit you now if I ever use that one? Yes. But I'm a vegetarian. Can I actually use I that? I was if vegan I'm a... for six months last year, so you can use what it. What prompted that? I watched Game Changers on Netflix. So I was like, if we get all, if animals get their protein and stuff from like vegetables, and then... And legumes, kind of the, beans. And they're the middleman. And we're not really getting the full nutrients. Why not just eat what the animals eat? Did you miss the cheese? No, not really. I mean, it got vegan cheese. It kind of smells funny, but yeah, it's not bad, though. Did you miss yogurt or ice cream? No, I don't really eat those. I'm pretty clean. I don't really eat that kind of stuff. Even now? Yeah. Do you eat a lot of meat? Mm, just chicken. I'm allergic to fish. And I, don't, I haven't ate red meat in like five years. 
What's Nigerian food like? Because I have this great story idea. Um, it's fire. <laughs> spicy. Uh, a little bit spicy. I mean, it can be, but a lot of spices, a lot of different flavors. You a lot know. of vegetables. Is it vegetable based um, or like very meat? It's it's a mix. It's more like a lot of rices, a lot of grains, like starches. So you got like your yams. You got obviously rice. You got uh, cassava. Um, All right, awesome. I've got the greatest feature idea for CBS that I'm waiting to have happen. I'll tell you in the book. Okay, but before cool. we get to that, TJY, you mentioned this earlier. Mm-hmm. So obviously we know that Alex Highsmith is not getting chipped as much when you have to account for TJ Watt. We yep. know that Cam Hayward can't face a double or triple team on every play when TJ Watt is there. We get like the X and O piece of it, but just intrinsically, what? Do, why does he... What is it about him that kind of just raises everybody else's intensity? Um, I think it's football IQ. You know, like, he's a really smart player. Like, I think, well, the first game, just, like, he sent a group chat or a text message to the group just about, like, cadences and, you know, just how he felt about the rush and what he sees and, you know, keywords and cohorts and stuff like that. And I think that's, you know, that's super cool because I think when you take that level of focus and detail into your work, um, you should be, you know, a great player in the years. So, and, you know, he makes plays because he understands the game. He understands what he can do, what he can't do, and finds a way to make it within the framework of defense. And then guys rally around that. you have a favorite teammate? A favorite teammate? Uh, Not right now. Just in the – I won't put you on the spot about anybody now, but all the years that you've played, all the people you've played with, there's somebody that's just the most fun guy you've ever played with? Um, I think one of my favorite team was probably Vaughn Bell. Just because, like, we train together in Miami, so it's like, you know, I this is dude. We get up at 4:30 in the morning, train at five. You know, all the off season, then we're playing with each other. So it's like we like all the same stuff. So yeah, that's my dog. I really love him. I actually sent somebody a message today because the Bengals are coming. That I love Jesse Bates and I love Von Bell. Yep, two really good guys. Nobody in Cleveland. Um, I mean, me and Miles were super cool. So I was at Miles, uh, Kirko, Chris Smith. Um, a lot of guys. I saw Kirko actually a few weeks ago with the Texans. Mm-hmm. When their first win. I saw him, and the very next day they won their first game in Jacksonville. Yeah, he's doing really well. Um, who else did you come in with? Uh, it was me. Well, it was. I'll go in order. So it was Miles, David, uh, Jabril, Deshaun. Oh, and Shoku. Yeah. Uh, Jabril Peppers. Mm-hmm. Where is he now? He's not with the Giants anymore, is he? Uh, he's with the Patriots. Look at Makaya shaking her head. She knows. <laughs> Yeah, you think she with, can name every single roster? She might be. <laughs> Keep you honest, right? Yeah, he's with um, the Patriots now. And then last year, of course, he played with a lot of good guys, fun guys. Yeah, Sam, Trey, DJ. You know, DJ, we're from, we played against each other in high school, so that's my dog, too. Um, you and DJ were high school teammates? High school uh, rivals. We played against each other in high school. So he went to Grimsley, I went to Ragsdale. So when a former team comes in to town this weekend, like, are you going to host a bunch of guys? Are you going to meet them for um, dinner or do anything? Or is it like we don't talk until after the game's over? I've just never really been like that. I kind of to myself, so I don't really do all that extra stuff. We can hang out in the off season. <laughs> You're kind of to yourself, and we got you all the way out here to Minio's Pizza? Yeah. Oh, uh, All right, we better feed you. Let me tell you, the Arancini Balls. Every single one of your teammates that's been here, whether it's Highsmith or Wormley or Molette or Gentry, every single one of them has been crazy about the Arancini. What is and that? And 
they are over here. And one of the questions that we've gotten from the audience so far is what you like best on the menu. So you're basically going to have to order everything mm. to figure out what it is that you could like and what Whoa. you eat and what you're into. So we'll take a quick break right now. And we will be back with Off the Field on 93.7 The Fan at Minio's Pizza, which is the best pizza in town. And Larry Ogunjobi will tell us what he really likes to eat. <laughs> We are indeed live from Minio's Pizza with the fabulous Larry Ogunjobi. Although now I feel like I should call you something different. But would that be confusing? No. I know my name. Yeah, but do you think your mom would prefer that? Does it bother your mom? No. <laughs> They've heard it. So I got into football when I was a sophomore in high school. So everybody knew me as Larry. I was obviously like an obese kid. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Can we go back? A sophomore in high school. Yeah, so you don't know that story? I don't know that story. Oh, all right. So, um, I was 16 years old. I was about 350 pounds, obese. My mom and my dad got mad at me. <laughs> they said, you're killing yourself. You're eating too much. So they took over my game system. Um, they got me a coach. His name was Robert Mitchell. He trained me for about a month or so, you know, like waking me up in the morning, stuff I didn't want to do. He got me down to like 3.30, whatever. And one day we were going to the high school or we were passing by the high school. He was like, you're going to play football. And I kind of looked at him. I was like, no, I'm not. That's not a deal. I'm just going to lose weight and, uh, you know, go about my business. He was like, no, you can play football. We had an argument in the car. Um, he got a permission slip from the lady at the front desk. I was on, he, my mom signed it. I was on the football field that Saturday. Couldn't finish the workouts. Couldn't finish the sprints. Um, was breathing all hard. <laughs> um, coaches came up to me the next day. They were like, Larry, we want to make sure you're still here. I'm like, yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> but, like, in my head, I'm like, only because I have to be. <laughs> so, you know, I go through my JV season, and, uh, you know, I do well. And we had the, we're at the awards banquet. And at the time, they were giving out the award for uh, most improved JV player. And I thought my, you know, my best friend at the time, Trey Grimes, was going to get it. But they ended up calling my name. And that was the first time that I got an award that I felt like, you know, I could earn. And I was like, you know, this football thing, maybe I can do it. You know, so it kind of made me kind of changed my mentality a lot so I asked my coach what I needed to do he said you had to get faster you had to get stronger you had to perfect your technique so every day after practice I'll go to the YMCA and I started you know uh, you know running half a mile biking five miles then running a whole mile biking 10 miles and I finally got to the point where I could run like run like two whole miles without stopping bike 15 miles my body composition started changing so I went from uh, 350 the summer of my sophomore year to like 247 the summer of my junior year so I lost like over 100 pounds in a year. But then my coaches got mad because they're like, you're trying to play DB? And I was like, nah, <laughs> I'm not trying to play DB. So I bulked back up to like 267, I want to say, or 262 my junior year, made all conference. And then 267 my senior year was all conference, like East-West All-Star, had five scholarship offers. Um, it was Charlotte, Furman, Howard, Presbyterian, and Catawba. Um, I only took one official visit, that was to Charlotte, um, because they were the only team that won they didn't have a football team, so I'd be part of the first class. And, like, you know, being part of something that's never been done before is awesome to me. And uh, they were only a team that was going to move up in football division, so they were going to play two years FCS, and then uh, the next two years are going to bump up to Conference USA. So I was like, I always told myself, if I'm good enough to play in the NFL, they're going to come find me. And, you know, I ended up going to Charlotte. 
I was computer science biology. I graduated and I became the first player ever drafted. I was it. In 2017, I was the first pick in the third round, so the 65th pick. And it was kind of cool because I wore 65 my entire football career until I got here. But <laughs> yeah, it's and all is good. that because Dan Moore was just like uncooperative? No, he had a he had a family reason as well. And you know, I, I'm not somebody that's going to try to like take some like I respect that. You know, and you know. Like, all the greats had to do it at some point. You know, Kobe changed his number, MJ changed his number. So it's like, at some point, it's fine. And it's, it's not the number, it's the man. You know, I could have been any number, but, you know, 65 was just my number for such a long time. And then, you know, now I have to make, you know, 99 my number. So it's cool. It's a process, but I enjoy it. All right. I have a whole series of questions now. So were you into sports as a kid? Um, like, would you watch anything? My mom always tells me the story, like, um, I think it was actually the Steelers that were playing. I was probably like four or five and you know my parents my mom is fresh out of well my dad are fresh from Nigeria so she said I was in the TV like yelling and screaming and she was like what's wrong and she said I, I said that I wanted to play football and she was like no <laughs> like, you're not, not playing football <laughs> like it's too rough and I'm like she said I was yelling like yeah I'm playing football like because I was always a super hyper kid but as I grew up I found video games and, and stuff like that and started eating a bunch and all that kind of stuff but is that why you were into computers? Because you were so into video games? Mm-hmm. I was just had a natural like affinity for it. Like I could just like build and like break stuff down and put it back together and stuff like that. So do you still do that? Every now and then, but I try to stay away from the. I'm more into the entrepreneurial like business space now, like with like tech and crypto and. Oh my gosh! Stuff. So are you fascinated by what's happening in the whole crypto world right now? Yeah, but I feel like um, I feel like the bear market is where you really win. Like. Everybody looks like a genius when it's all green, but like when it's red, that's when the real, you know, smart people come out because you, you kind of understand the trajectory of the market and how things are correlated with each other. So for me, it's like I've just been kind of being super patient, like with my investments and kind of watching it. And, and you so, manage all of that by yourself? Yeah, but then I have a, a guy, a couple, a couple team of guys that we just, you know, we, we talk and we bounce ideas off each other. Um, whether it's like stocks and, and different things of that nature. So. When you have teammates who aren't smart with their money, does it make you crazy? <clears throat> yes, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, uh, I think everybody comes to that realization at a different time, you know, um, and all I can do is be a good example. And, you know, when people ask questions, I feel like at the same time, though, you know, like we play a super hard sport that's super demanding. You know, you have the ups and downs. Football is... Nothing. No sport plays on like your ego like football, right? Because other sports, you know, basketball plays three times a week. Baseball has a bunch of games. Like football, you have seventeen games. You they're a week apart. They don't let you soak long enough. You can't celebrate because it's very humbling. Like my coach always used to say, humble pie is only seven days away. You know, and it's a, it's a crazy thing. And with football, it's like I think as professionals, sometimes our emotions are so weighed on like. When we do well, or if something happens, like when you lose, you see nobody post on social media. When you win, everybody posting on social media. So oh, believe me, it's been hard to get guests, Larry. This so year. it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's not like you don't want to be a part and be social, but it's like there's almost like this stigmatism with like if you're posting, you're unfocused. But I think the world is changing. The day and age is changing. Where it's like you should post what you want to do because at the end of the day, we're human too. That's why I like what. Uh, I think Derek Carr kind of alluded to it like it's not easy right yeah. and you're still human and you still want to be able to express yourself and your emotions and all that kind of stuff so um Derek Carr has poured every single thing into that club that he mm -hmm. possibly could and funny story is that 
I thought there was a chance that he could come to Pittsburgh last year before oh. y'all signed Mitch Trubisky. I don't even know when you signed. When did you sign? Because you were I almost signed. going to Chicago. I signed super then, late, yeah. Yeah, so Mitch was already here. Mm-hmm. Did you sign after the draft or before the draft? I signed way after, right? Yeah, yeah. okay. So I Mitch and Kenny, yeah. <laughs> Mitch and Kenny were already here, but before Mitch was signed and the draft, mm-hmm. I was talking to Derek Carr about coming to Pittsburgh. Mm. And he was just like, I'm living and dying by the Raiders, and I'll walk away. If it's not the Raiders, I'll walk away. But I just will sink with this ship if I need to, and not that he thinks that he will. But um, you see that, and you see, I mean, the guy was in enormous pain two years ago, in pain like he's never been in. And he's pouring every single thing he can in to win a game. And And you've got fans being as nasty. Forget is that, I think I said it in the media once before, but it's like winners and losers both appear. Like, it's not like... The person that lost on Sunday <clears throat> didn't practice hard on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, or didn't care as much. Exactly. Or so didn't pour sometimes, as much. yeah, it's just in, it's just the nature of the business. There are winners and there are losers. And when you lose, nobody cares. When you win, everybody cares. But at the end of the day, you have to care regardless of the outcome. And I think that's the difference when you're talking about the record and you know where we're at right now. And like that's why I play because I play for my my family, myself, my pride, my legacy, all that kind of stuff. So regardless of the record, it's like. I got something that I want to prove, something I want to do, and, you know. Well, I think what's also really hard is that when you lose, everybody seems to have an answer. Everybody who's not a part of it. Everybody seems to know it's because of this person or it's that person. I used to always say this, that if I were a rocket scientist, nobody would argue with me about knowing rocket science. Nobody argues with you about computer science. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about programming or code. But everybody's got an answer when it comes to a sport, right? Yeah. And everybody knows better. Because it's such a communal thing. <laughs> you like, think, or you think you know, when you don't always necessarily know, which yes. I've said a lot. Okay, so who in the locker room can you talk to about investments and money? Who's really into the market? Uh, Terrell, he's into investments and stuff like that. So we've talked, you know, I hang out with him. So we uh, we talk, we bounce ideas off each other and he stuff like that. He went to Virginia Tech. Does he have a tech degree, a STEM degree? I don't know what... Terrell's reason, but he has he has a nice like business acumen. So like when you talk, you can talk business with him because he he has that like hustling him. So like but you really, know his I just mom, keep it. his mom is the toughest coach he ever had. His really? dad is I a former NFL yeah. player, but his mom is no joke. That's cool. <laughs> okay, who else? Who else can you really? Talk? Um, well, I really keep it myself. <laughs> like I just you're not giving out free advice. Is that what you're saying? I wouldn't say not giving out free advice, but I feel like. You should only, sometimes you never want to come into, locker rooms are very interesting, you know, and you don't want to come in, like, when there's conversation being had, you can always, like, throw your, but I never lead off of that, because, like, some people don't want, just don't want to talk about it. it happens. Like, I always tell myself, I'm never going to talk politics or religion, and you know what I used to do almost every single day, or get suckered into in that locker room? Marquise Pouncey, Al Villanueva, would sucker me into politics conversations. Mm. Yeah, I, I think, and I think it depends on a person. Like, if that was a, what a person is passionate about or interested in, then those are the conversations that you're naturally going to have because that's. But you're not instigating those conversations. No, because I don't really talk like that. <laughs> like, I, like once again, I, I'm more to myself, you know, because I understand both sides of the media when it comes to like building you up, breaking you down. Like, I played for a team that you know we got in a fight with you know <laughs> like i remember what was said <laughs> but now they're fans so you know but i don't forget that right so and not to, to say that there's any ill will or anything of, of that nature but 
once again, that's kind of the nature of the business. You no, know, you have to stay even keel, and that's what I've chosen to do. Is like. It's so interesting you say that because I think that that's one of the hardest things for me is that people say that you sign up for this. When do any of us ever sign up for nastiness, right? Like it's this idea that oh, well, you make a million dollars or multiple millions of dollars, so fans get to boo you, fans get to rip you, fans get to talk about the way that you do your job. We don't go to a restaurant and say, hey, it's yes, like that Peyton no Manning PFF commercial. For, for you yeah. know, for I don't go to your job and, and give you a status report. But once again. It's the nature of the business, though. Right. Like you, when you're on the scale, when you're when you have a platform, when everybody's watching you, it's like you do have a target on you, whether it's good or bad. You know, and I feel like the ability to roll with the punches and understand who you are within yourself is super important. All know? right, let's before we have to end it and you eat your food, Larry. Let's talk about this next game and an opponent that you know better than anybody. Mm-hmm. So last year. Uh, the Bengals are playing the Ravens, and Joe Mixon says to me that the biggest beast and most underrated beast is Larry Ogunjobi. <laughs> and he said he doesn't understand why Cleveland ever let you go and that people don't give you your due. Oh, thanks for the wings. When you look at the Bengals, biggest challenge, biggest change in Joe Burrow when you watch the film this year from who you saw last year. Um, he's just getting better, you know. He's um, he's a uh, like when I was at the Bengals, I think just understanding like who he was as a person, as a player, like his demeanor. Um, he definitely has that killer in him for sure. And uh, being around that and seeing that was cool because he's such a likable guy. Like there's, <laughs> there's not really much you can't really like him because he doesn't. He but he's doesn't, so goofy. He's got the worst fashion sense ever. You don't like his his fashion no. sense? It's, no. It's gotten better. It's not like terrible. <laughs> I mean, You know he got in trouble for cursing at people on chess.com? How can you be mad at a guy like that? <laughs> exactly. I can understand if it was like on Madden or Call of Duty. You're talking about chess. Well, Cheeto used to play with him, right? Chess. I think Cheeto won the tournament. 